people have this assumption that grief is just sadness. It's just an emotional experience. And then once you, you know, finish being sad, you move on with your life and you get back to normal. But it's the it's not that at all. Like it's a full body experience, you know, emotional, spiritual, physical, mental, all of it. Hey there, gals. Hey there, gals. And welcome back to the episode of The Gals Guide. We are a dating and lifestyle podcast. I'm Hannah. And I'm Emily. Happy Monday. Welcome back for another episode. We are so excited to be here. We are fresh and relaxed and back from vacation. Thank you, gals, for sticking with us. Sorry there was no episode last week, but we appreciate it. We just needed a break. And sometimes, you know, it's much deserved. But I feel like so much has been happening like in the world of pop culture since we last spoke because I will say a lot of times when we have guests on, we do these interviews and the intros for the episode like so far in advance that we don't have time to catch up with what's going on like in pop culture. And have we talked about my two favorite people? I don't dating. I supposedly? don't think we have. I think we've talked about a little bit about eras, but I don't think we've talked about this new relationship, dating, whatever it Allegedly. is. Allegedly. Allegedly. Alleged. <laughs> um, Maddie Healy and Taylor Swift. And let's just say, I'm going to go ahead and get this out there, get out of the way and everything. I'm a fan of both of them. I love both of them. Um, I think some... People and sorry, Swifties. Like, if you're one of these people, um, are getting like too of like their their parasocial relationship with Taylor is getting too intense, and like I just see people all the time online, um, like saying like we don't want him as our dad and like break up with him, like praying for them to break up. And I'm like, it's it's just really weird in my opinion. And I I I think just in contrast to what she was with Joe, and I think it's just really interesting because she was so private with Joe, and I feel like she's, you know, we're back in the 1989 era where she's trying to be a little bit more public. And again, we don't know if they're officially dating either. They they have not spotted them kissing, holding hands, or anything like that. Um, but I do think it's interesting that she's given us like an inch and we've taken like a foot with it. And I just do worry that like, you know, she's going to like do like a 180 and like retreat back and everything. And like Maddie Healy like does not give a fuck what anybody thinks about him. And, um, I, I, I just, I hope that they are taking like the mental, like they're, they're, they are, not paying, they're not reading too much into everything that people are saying online and they are um, taking care of themselves and their mental health and everything. Cause I have seen some really mean comments about Maddie that I think are really just out of line. And when I say that, I mean like people being like, Oh, he's going to make Taylor like an addict or something because he is a recovering addict. And I think that's like a really low blow. And that's something that you shouldn't say or even joke about and everything and I know that there's a whole like discussion about things that Maddie has done in the past that I think a lot of people have taken out of context for sure if you look into the context of the situations it's completely different I think and I mean he even talks about that in a lot of his songs about like context in a modern debate I just took it out we mm-hmm. all know that I'm a Maddie Healy fan we all know I'm a, I'm a 1975 fan I've been a fan of 1975 for a very long time. It's a very public thing. And I think a lot of people know that about me. Um, if you don't like that, I'm so sorry. But uh, yeah, I like them together. I think it's interesting because I think that he is a lyrical genius and mm-hmm. she is as well. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep seeing them at Electric Lady Studios and I'm like, please tell me you're writing songs together. I know. I just I saw a TikTok to- of her leaving and I'm like, I want this so bad. I need to hear the songs. I just want to hear. I just want to hear the ones that he's written. That's with her. So, That's all I want. 
we interviewed him at my job and he mentioned that he co-wrote a song with Taylor for the Midnight's album, but it didn't make it onto the final cut. So it's mm-hmm. a vault track. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, what else do you guys have? Because I feel like they could really write some beautiful songs together. Oh, 100%. And I think too, I think the thing that has always bothered me about like fans and like fandoms is how high of a pedestal they put the person on. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, I mean, we all we all put Taylor Swift on a pedestal in the sense of like she is our pop star, literally. Um, mm-hmm. And she's doing things that no one else has done. And she is just an incredible mastermind. And I think like it's not fair to her to put her on this pedestal and expect her to follow the demands of her fans who don't want her to date somebody like that is just mm-hmm. so silly to me and also he can't be dad because harry is dad like we have divorced yes, parents thank you. like our thank parents you. are just divorced and we just have to move on with it it is okay to have a stepdad joe was never father no like, absolutely let's get that straight. not to be completely honest the only thing i knew about joe was his name and his <laughs> and his stage lyricist name Outside of that, I could tell you nothing. Didn't even know he was an actor. Thought he was just like a literal, like random Joe from like London. <laughs> so, um, so like I don't, I don't think it. No one, I don't care. She can date whoever she wants, and also like just let her have some fun. Like who cares? Let her be in her nineteen eighty nine era. Let her date whoever she wants to date. If it makes her happy, and we get some music, and we get happy Taylor again. Who cares? Like, I just can't. I It bothers me so much because I would never want someone to talk about my relationship the way that people are talking about hers. And I guarantee you the people that are talking that way would be so distraught if somebody, if the cards were reversed. Um, mm-hmm. And just because she's a famous person, like, she still does see what we say. Like, it is very yeah. obvious. Like, in her tour, she's like, I see what I see you guys don't think I like Evermore. <laughs> like she is very aware of what we say. So like yeah. while she is like a bajillionaire and like there's so many people tweeting at her all the time, like she does see them. So like just be mindful of that. And I think that's just a good reminder for everyone to just be mindful of what you say. Cause like what is it to you who Taylor Swift dates? Also, like she doesn't like I'm gonna be honest, she doesn't give a fuck. Absolutely not. What her fans? She's an amazing woman. She's a businesswoman at the end of the day, and like she, if you think that she actually cared about the price of the tickets that were getting outrageous and everything, she is a ca- that girl's a capitalist at heart. She is a almost a billionaire, if not a billionaire already. Like she likes money. That is something that I'm always going to stand by if you look at her and how she's promoted her album with all the vinyl sales and everything. The girl does not care. And I, at the end of the day, like, you can't put her on a pedestal. You can't put any celebrity on a pedestal. No one wants, I mean, we say all the time, like, don't put your relationship, like, don't put your partner on a pedestal. Like, why are you putting the celebrity who you know literally nothing about? You only know what they want you to know. And I was going to say, do you not think that like the chit chat is what continues to put her at the forefront of everyone's mind? Like she is again, a literal mastermind. Also, and this is the last thing I'll say on the thing. I don't like that. We always keep talking about her relationships when the woman is literally selling out stadiums and doing a three hour tour with literally like Thousands of people still standing outside the stadiums just trying to listen to it. And yet the only thing we managed to talk about is the guy that she's currently sleeping with. Thank you. Thank you. It's like we've forgotten. It's like we've just moved on to the next thing. Like, she's, oh, yeah. okay, she sold, him out. she sold out all the stadiums. Cool. Like, next. What's now next? she's dating Maddie Huey? What's what? next? Also, don't call him Matt. It's weird. <laughs> call him Maddie. <laughs> He's not a Matt. Don't we can't take him seriously. I, none of us 1975 fans take him seriously. Like, come on. Yeah. And we call him Ratty Healy. No one else can call him Ratty Healy. Okay. Like that's reserved for us. Okay. When y'all do it, it's mean. Oh my goodness. No, but that that's but, a that's a that's a really important point. Like we've we we're not even talking about her success anymore. Like it's just. It's Literally, frustrating. Her and Beyonce are yeah. both doing three hour long shows. I know. It's it's incredible. It's, it's absolutely insane. Gonna these change. Two women. It's gonna change the music industry. Like people are gonna start doing this 1, now. One thousand percent. They're gonna and I agree start with playing everything that they have, and it's gonna be awesome. 
Well, and, and when the ticket prices are getting that high, like it makes it feel more worth it in that way too. I think it's really um, cool that the artists are taking note of that and yeah. they're wanting to make the experience worth your time in that way and put on an actual production. Yeah. I think that's why I'm really drawn to her and Beyonce as artists. I think they, they both are 1,000% first and foremost performers. Oh, definitely. Hands down. Hands down. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, if you put it into perspective, like you buy season football tickets, you get a lot of, I was going to say a lot of episodes, <laughs> a lot of games. Um, you can tell that I'm ready to watch some TV. Um, same with music. Like we pay a lot of money for a concert. We get a bigger chunk of your like discography. Like, I just think mm -hmm. that's really cool. Um, and I've already heard like other artists talking about how they, they are going to consider doing like three hour long shows too, which yeah. I just think is really cool. And I just think that it, it gives like festival energy, but like for one artist. So I think it will be, it'll, it'll yeah. be really interesting to see how the music industry moves forward from this tour, because this is like one of, one of the bigger tours, if not the biggest. Well, you, you're already seeing the trickle down effect of it because with the Eras tour, so she's doing a lot of her discography. I'm seeing the Jonas Brothers on their tour and they're doing apparently all five albums mm -hmm. like on the tour. And so yeah. it's really interesting to see like how they are now incorporating more of like their own eras, which if that means I get to hear still in love with you. Ugh, um, I'm so jealous. You have tickets. <laughs> my best friend here has tickets and I have none. <laughs> I am ticketless. Um, Nick Jonas, help me out. No, but the other thing, <laughs> the other thing that I've really admired about Taylor, especially with this tour too, is how many different artists she's letting open. And I think that oh, that yeah. is really, like that. really cool. It gives variety. It gives other musicians opportunities. And like, it's great to have like the same person open the entire tour with you, but it's really cool that she has a couple of handful. And I like that she repeats them. Like, I like that it's not just well, like one new person every time. Well, they're also like not small artists yeah. either. They're yeah. like within another, like Phoebe Bridgers is another concert within itself. Right. Time is like another concert within itself. Greasy Abrams is another concert within itself. So I do think that it's really cool that we're seeing like this, um, uh, layer of shows that are being incorporated um, into the Eras tour. So I am still manifesting tickets. <laughs> uh, I am working my booty off over here trying to win some she's tickets. She's submitting to all the contests uh, <laughs> that I'm not allowed to submit to because I work in the music industry. Ooh, so funny. But, um, yeah, no, it's it's really cool uh, just, just to see it all unfold and be able to like be alive at this time because it's like I do wonder if this is like a tour people are going to talk about like in years to come it's like one of the, like the best-selling tours of all time oh I definitely think so yeah, yeah. it's gonna be cool that we like lived through it so yeah but now I just need to get inside the stadium <laughs> yeah yeah we'll get we'll get there somehow <laughs> but what has been your captivation as of late uh, well, speaking of music, and I don't know if this is yours or not, hopefully not, um, obviously no. the Jonas Brothers album is incredible, but yes. I uh, have a favorite song, and it's Montana Sky. I love that song. Um, I think it is so cute. I think I think I can really personally like relate to it, um, which I think is why I like it a lot more. <laughs> looking up the lyrics. Um, <laughs> It's basically talking about like how like I want to see the world like I want to see the Montana sky the Georgia sunset um, but like your person's the one that's like in your head um, like long gone or New York nights with my friends like all I see is your silhouette. I listened to this song and I didn't pick up. Oh yeah, no, I definitely did. Um, so it's really sweet. It's kind of like a, to me, it, it reminds me of like how I love to go on trips, but I always miss Blaine. Um, and so like coming home is really nice, and um, I just thought it was a really really cute song. So, and I like the vibe of it. Like it's fun. Um, so yeah, that's my favorite one. I've been listening to it like a lot. Um, but yeah, I really like that song. What is, what is your captivation? Well, I will say oh. my favorite song off that album, thank you for asking that question. Um, <laughs> I thought was, you said it was Vacation Eyes. It is Vacation oh, okay, Eyes, okay. but we didn't talk about it. I thought we I did. I thought you. we did last week. Maybe I'm, or not last week, did the week I? before. Maybe. I don't know. I can't remember, Possibly. but 
Possibly. I don't know. I've edited so many things. I do also like Little Bird. Um, I sent that to my my dad, and my dad was like sobbing his eyes out. He's like, thanks for sending that. I literally (laughs) listened to Little Bird this morning on the way home from Pure Bar and started crying, and I don't even have kids. But I was like listening to it, and I was like, I think I was like actually listening to the lyrics, and I was like, oh my gosh. Like wrapped around my finger, trying to let it linger. And I was like, oh my god. I... Literally liked going to the concert and not knowing any of the songs yeah, because because you could really listen. No one, no one's screaming the lyrics yeah. around to it, so you're like, I have to actually listen because I have no idea what the lyrics are at all. Oh my gosh! <laughs> no, so that any, was really cool. No, speaking of the lyrics, like anytime anybody's like, oh my gosh, I just started drama. Or, oh my gosh, I'm so stressed out. I'm like. Don't don't stress. It's gonna get figured out. Let's figure go to the out. Waffle House. Like, let's go have a deep conversation at Waffle House. Like right now, it's right across the street. Like, let's go. Waffle House's sales just skyrocketed. I after honestly the kind album. of like wish they would have like I don't know done some marketing in a Waffle. House. I did drive by a Waffle House the other day and I saw two cop cars sitting outside of it with the lights on. I was like, I guess it didn't get solved at the Waffle House. No, I was gonna say that <laughs> sounds right. That's that checks that checks out. <laughs> There's always there's always a cop in Waffle House. Pretty much. Oh. Um, no, but my captivation though is a purchase that I recently made. I kind of been like waiting for a couple like years to make it, and I was really excited that I was able to finally purchase it. And it is the Saison Betty cardigan. Um, it is like very J. Crew esque inspired, I would say. But Saison is a Parisian brand, and it's uh, they have a pop up in Los Angeles now, and there's one in New York. And I was really excited, and like I wanted this a crew colored one with it, and I was gonna get it personally embroidered at the store with a heart and an E on it. And they only had literally one in stock in my size. It was literally the color fate. I wanted. She was like, so, I think we have one, and it was, like, literally fit you perfect. And I was like, you have to buy this. Like, no question. And I've gotten so many compliments on it. I really love it. I think it's adorable. And then getting the embroidery on it, I thought, was also, like, a really cute touch. And it just made it feel, like, more my own and something that I can keep and treasure for a really long time. So, yeah, I love Saison. If you have never checked them out and if you like more of, like, a Parisian style of clothing um i would say something like if you like aritzia but if you also like j crew it doesn't have that preppiness that j crew has but i will say it does have the more simplicity that like made well items have mm-hmm. where they have structure to it but you got the fabric of like cashmere and real merino wool um clothing so i love saison it is a higher price tag but um i i just i'm obsessed with their stuff and i love their sweaters i think they're so gorgeous and beautiful yeah, so, no, it looked yeah. really cute on you. I really liked it. So, good purchase. Thank you. Thank You're welcome. You. Um, did my wallet hate me after that purchase? A little bit, but it's fine. It's okay. Uh, it's <laughs> totally fine. <laughs> but today's episode, we are really excited, shockingly, to talk about death a little bit. But, you know, I think that we're making it in a very approachable way where it's not like such a sad thing to talk about. I know that's something we've covered recently a lot like on the podcast and we really wanted to do an episode about how to handle grief and how to process it, whether it's in a relationship or if it's like a family member or a friend and how you start that process because I think it's something that's so unique and everybody handles it differently and no one really knows how to appropriately talk about it. So we found Sal and M from the Good Morning Podcast, and we were so thrilled to have this conversation with them because they are very candid, but still add humor into the conversation of grief and death and make it feel like it's a very approachable topic that you can easily bring up in a conversation with loved ones and feel supported. And so if you are somebody that like has recently dealt with grief in your life and you are on that path of finding joy, I think this is an episode that you're really going to love and you're really going to find a lot of tips in it and they will happily give you um, more recommendations on their own podcast as well. But we're going to do a couple ad reads really quickly and we hope that you will stay tuned. BetMGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at BetMGM. Simply download the BetMGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then... 
Place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager. Only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. From issuance, please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Alrighty, gals. So joining us today are two outstanding authors and co-hosts of the podcast Good Morning, where they shine a light on what death and grief is actually like with a little bit of humor and hope. Please welcome Sal and Em. Thank you guys for coming on our show. Thank you both for having us. It's lovely to be here and lovely to see your faces. Are you both like tuning in all the way from Australia or M are you in England because I know you're British correct and Sal you're Australian other way around Sal's the Brit and I'm the Aussie oh yeah but I have a British partner so sometimes like people like oh have you got a British accent I think it's because it rubs off from me from my partner um but we're both in Sydney Australia so yeah that's where we're tuning in from today on the other side of the world and it is a good morning for you because it's all the way like it's tomorrow basically for you We're guys like future. for us <laughs> yeah we we are in the future, You're in the future. <laughs> it's looking bright guys it's a nice day we've yeah. got coffee <laughs> good I, I needed i needed it oh i need gosh, a good I friday that. i need so a great awesome. friday so that's that puts me in a good mood it's a good friday sure. um yeah. but before we get started um and we're going to talk, you know, a lot and have like a really honest conversation with you guys about grief, loss, death. And there's so much you've also accomplished like within that realm as well, too. But before we get into all of that heavy stuff, uh, we would love to know like something that you guys are currently captivated by, whether it's like a product show. Is there something that you currently have a captivation on? Um, for me, so many things. Um, but... I feel like I'm probably quite late to the party with this one, but I'm currently really loving Ted Lasso. Um, oh. It's on Apple TV. It's Quality. a show that I've heard really good things about. You guys might have seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I've heard for ages people talking about it, and finally I'm watching it, and I'm really loving it. So I would say that is probably the, th- the first thing of many that springs to mind. Oh, such a good one. That is a great one. It's so happy. I'm I'm captivated by Vanderpump Rules latest season. Not gonna lie, like I'm not even gonna try and be smart here. I'm here for the drama. <laughs> <laughs> the scandal yes. has got me captivated. We love, we I love. can't get enough. I I live right down the street from uh, Pump Sir Tom Tom all of them and. <laughs> Tell me everything because I've never watched it. I've never seen it, but like Do you I see did them? not. I have apparently. I had no idea that I was like talking to people that I have like that are on the show. But I've gone to Tom Tom, and like I guess there's like smaller people, like not like Tom Sandoval or anything, but like um, like just a couple of recurring like smaller people on the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, had loads of conversations with them and had no idea. <laughs> Oh my god, I've got so many questions. Well, that's pretty cool. Yeah. That's wild. I've heard that it's like all set up. We'll chat. We'll so chat. Many yeah, I've heard that this whole scandal set up, but I just don't know. I'm I'm here for it either way. But yeah, I'm totally captivated by Vanderpump Rules later season. <laughs> we love that. Is that a we spin-off love that. of the love Beverly Hill Real Housewives? Is it a spin-off of 
Real Housewives of yeah. Beverly Hills. Yeah, well, Lisa Vanderpump, who's in the Real Housewives, it's her show. So she like owns all these restaurants and it's all like the young hot people that work at the restaurants, but they're kind of like old and have had kids now. It's, it's like not that anymore, but yeah, there's so much drama. <laughs> it's good. Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> well, to like completely take a like 180 shift from all of that um, and to get into uh, your podcast um, and also your book, we want to talk about that, but um like we said at the start of this, you, you have a podcast. It's called Good Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So not like AM, but like, you know, grief. Um, and you have honest conversations about grief and loss. And for both of you, especially after experiencing, you know, the untimely passing of your mothers, um, would you mind like telling the gals like why you wanted to start the podcast to begin with? Sure. Um well, grief is really lonely, um, and so Im and I, our mums both died suddenly, months apart. We both lived in Sydney, we were in our early 30s, and it was really isolating, wasn't it, Im? Very isolating. So we were living in the same city in Sydney, both grieving the deaths of our mums, similar age, but we felt really isolated because grief is really lonely, and often people don't know what to do or say, and if your peers and the people around you haven't experienced grief, then as much as they want to support you, they might not really know how to. And grief is so confusing as well that you often don't even know if what you're experiencing is normal. So Im and I were both in our early 30s when our mums died. So not a lot of our friends and our support network had really gone through grief and we really craved um, connection with somebody who understood what we were going through. So that led to our meetup, which we also call our love story. And Good Morning was born. But I'll let him tell you that part. The part where Sal and I nearly didn't turn up to this support group meetup, and then she turned up late, and then someone sat opposite us. Oh, no, Sal sat opposite me, and then went to the bar to get a drink, and someone took her spot. It was literally like sliding doors. It was like we just didn't even get a chance to really talk on the day. Um, so yeah, but I do feel like fate had a hand at play and our mums had a hand at play. And then we, I reached out to her that evening. Cause we both like, we, we all went around the table. There were 10 people at this meetup and we all mentioned like how our mums had died. And Sal had mentioned her mum had died suddenly too. So I'm like, Oh my God. Okay. I've clocked her. She feels like my ty- type of person. I'm getting a good vibe. And then I just plucked up the courage to reach out to her via Facebook that evening. Um, Cause like Sal said, like grief is so lonely no matter how well supported you are by friends and family, like we had good support, but we just craved the connection with someone who could like really relate to us. And that's kind of outside of our family and friends, because the thing is everyone is grieving differently. Everyone's coping differently. So it can be really hard leaning on your friends and family for support if they're also grieving too. So yeah. And then the rest is history and good morning was like, born out of our just desperation to feel like what we were going through was normal um our isolation the loneliness and yeah just we had the idea to kind of what we could do to support other people who may be feeling lonely and isolated and then good morning was born well it definitely helped me oh good good (laughs) and what we what we really wanted to do was create something that talked about grief really honestly and like openly with a bit you know a bit of humor something that we would listen to because we really found that there weren't that many resources that we could relate to when it came to grief support and just really honest and um it felt like it was stuck in the dark ages a little bit and for him and I we wanted to create something that was maybe a little bit lighter but really relatable and that's kind of that was kind of our, our driving force to help other people feel less alone but also to feel seen and I think that's what served us really well and it just took off as soon as we launched the podcast. Wow that's a co- that's a cool startup story. Yeah I love that I really love that and it's just very genuine and I definitely like agree like I feel like like there was something about like your mother's like probably having like a play at that like from the other side like and bringing you two together I think that's really lovely. While Sally is getting that together um you've also like been able to like write a book based off of like your podcast as well too like that's been um really really amazing it's like almost like a guide in a way to like the whole process it's almost is that correct yeah it, it is it's a bit of a survival guide um we wanted it to kind of 
just be everything that we needed in the depths of our loss after our mums died. And, you know, our communities at the heart of our book, we've got real life experiences in there, stories from other grievers, um, advice from psychologists, tips, words of wisdom, journal prompts. It's kind of got a bit of mix of everything in there. And we've really written it in a way that's kind of easily digestible because as you will know, Emily, like grief can change your brain. Like it, it's really exhausting. It's difficult to like concentrate sometimes, you know, it's, it's a lot. So it was really intentional in the way that we wrote the book, that it was easy to pick up and put down and kind of take at your own pace and something that was going to be easy on the mind to read. And it's, it's the, it's a kind of book that you can kind of open up anywhere in it and find a bit of information that's useful. You don't have to like flick through heaps of chapters of heavy text to get some information Mm -hmm. that might be helpful for you. Um, I love that because I feel like grief comes in waves. And so like being able to just pick something up whenever you need it is, is really nice and that you can just kind of open to whatever page and whatever, whatever you land on is what's going to speak to you in that moment or, you know, anything like that. So I really like that. Yeah. I mean, I like, Mm -hmm. I didn't realize how much grief affects your brain and your body like when you're going through it and I like all the research and like the episodes I listened to of yours can you explain a little bit about how it does because I I don't think people realize that like you know grief face I think you guys have mentioned that before is a thing and like it ages you and I'm like I like looked in the mirror the other day I was like I look so just I'm not tired, but I look tired. And it's just because I've been moving through those paces of dealing with the grief and the loss. Can you like go into a little bit like why that is? Grief face is an actual thing. And you do like, we felt like we just aged 10 years looking at ourselves in the mirror. We're like, who is this person? Um, But grief, you know, if you haven't experienced loss, I think people have this assumption that grief is just sadness. It's just an emotional experience. And then once you, you know, finish being sad, you move on with your life and you get back to normal, but it's the, it's not that at all. Like it's a full body experience you know emotional spiritual physical mental all of it and so one of the one of our most popular podcast episodes which you may have listened to em with um dr lisa shulman so she's a world-leading neurologist uh, yeah world-leading neurologist and she talks about how grief impacts mm-hmm. the brain so, so this is something that we talk about in our mm-hmm. book but it's called grief brain and it's one of the most common experiences that we hear time and time again within our community So Dr. Lisa Shulman explained to us that grief is actually like an emotional injury to the brain and it rewires your brain when you experience loss, which is just wild to think about. So a lot of the time we hear people can be really forgetful and confused and lose their train of thought and they think that there's something wrong with them. Like I definitely thought like, that's it for me. I've lost my mind. I'm going crazy. I'm never going to feel normal again. But it is actually your brain trying to process this huge experience that's just happened. And it changes like the it weakens the nerve growth, um, activates neuroplasticity like it actually is physically doing something to your brain. And all of these things impact the cognitive function. So your word fluency, um, speed of processing information, attention, all of those things. So scientific reasons behind what's actually going on for us, which was so validating to find out. And, you know, I think when we passed on this information to our community, they're like, thank God, there's, you know, there's not something seriously wrong with me. Cause I thought I was the only one going through yeah. this or feeling this way. So that was an amazing finding and learning that we, we have had through the work that we do. And also like you mentioned how physical grief is as well. Like Sal, And I have had, you know, we were so exhausted for so many months, just feeling like we couldn't get out of bed. Our bodies were just heavy. Like it was just exhausting. And it was a type of exhaustion that you can't go and sleep off. You don't go for a nap and then you wake up and you feel better again or energized. It's just, it's impossible to get re-energized when you've got this grief exhaustion. So yeah, learning about the mind-body connection and how grief impacts us physically has also been incredibly healing for both of us. And it was really important to include all of that information in our book as well. That's really, yeah, I really enjoyed it. Yeah. And like listening to those episodes, because I mean, like one thing that I also found, and I, I spoke very in depth with Hannah about this, but you know, we talked so much before we even considered doing this episode, because she was like, are you okay to do this episode? Like, are you going to be like, fine? I was like, yes, I think now I'm in this point where I can like talk about it openly. Um, the 
what had happened was, and I've briefly talked about it on this podcast, was I had a friend who was like my mentor in a way. He he was my mentor slash almost like a grandfather to me in some way. He was a much older man and he was my professor. And even after I graduated from college, he continued to be a very heavy mentor in my life and really guided me throughout my career. Since I work in film, he was a filmmaker. And, um, you know, I often said like when I, whenever he passed, it almost felt like he was a lighthouse in my life and I was out there sailing and, I always felt like I could look back to shore and I would see his light shining and know that I could always return. And then that one day when he suddenly passed, it was like the light had just gone out and I was, I felt lost in that way. And it was a feeling that I hadn't ever really felt before because everybody else in my life who had passed, it's like, oh, they've been sick for a long time. Like this is, you know we know it's coming. You have time to prepare for it. This was completely out of nowhere, a sudden death. And I, I didn't know how to process it. And I was confused for days. I didn't know how to react emotionally. And I felt isolated because I, all my friends were nowhere in California and I just didn't know who to rely on. And I just remember Need, like wanting comfort and validation that how I was processing and how I was feeling it was cor- not correct, but like, okay, because everybody, I think, processes grief so differently. And yet it's still just very awkward for a lot of people to talk about. And so when I stumbled upon you guys, I, I love the refreshing take you guys had around it. And I just wondered... You know, how can we start to change how we approach this conversation with our friends, with our family, with loved ones in our life? How can we tackle the conversation of loss? Well, firstly, I'm so sorry that you've been through all of that. Like sudden loss is, it's really shocking, you know, and your body just goes into shock when you don't have that time to prepare. And I mean, it's even still really difficult when you do have that time to prepare for it, but it's really tough. And I just want to acknowledge Hannah for checking in with you to see if you were going to be okay to have this conversation too, because that's a great friend right there. Just, you know, acknowledging that it might be tough for you to talk about this subject. Um, But there's still a lot of work to do around grief and educating people. Like, you know, I think one of the reasons why you were feeling that way, Emily, is we don't have the toolkit for grief. We don't you know, we don't prepare ourselves. We don't talk about it as a society. So we have no idea what to do when we're in it. And that's the really difficult thing. And I think that's what makes it also feel really isolating and lonely is we're just really crap at having these conversations. So the first step would be just having these honest conversations is a great way to start. Like what you guys are doing is amazing. You know, opening the room for this, for this kind of topic to be talked about and discussed to help other people feel less lonely and isolated. Um, But yeah, I think if you're supporting someone through grief, one of the most important things to do is acknowledge the loss. Like, I think we've got this fear of saying the wrong thing or we don't want to bring up that their person's died because we don't want to remind them that they're dead. And it's like, well, we're actually thinking about it all the time anyway. Like, it's refreshing when somebody acknowledges the elephant in the room, right? Like, just acknowledge that this is Mm -hmm. going on for me Mm -hmm. because, you know, I do think... People, people are afraid of saying the wrong thing and that's why they don't say anything. And I know it's really tough if you are supporting someone, if anyone, any of your listeners are, you know, supporting someone through loss to know what to do and say, but the easiest, best thing to do is just say something. It doesn't have to be flowery language or poetic. Like we're really trying to move away from the condolences and all that sort of terminology. Like we just want real, raw, honest conversations. Mm-hmm. Just acknowledge how shit it is. Just say that you're there for us, show up, check in, you know, all of those things are really important and not just up until the funeral. You know, I think the real grieving starts Mm, to happen after the funeral, right? You know, because sometimes often we are inundated with the texts and the flowers and, you know, the condolence cards and the casserole on the doorstep and all of those things. And then after the funeral, like everyone else goes back to their life. And we're just left with this huge, you know, loss. And it's often 
it often takes like months, sometimes years for people, for the shock to wear off and for like the finality of death and loss to sink in. Mm -hmm. And it's usually around then that we need the support the most and everyone has gone. And that's just, it's really, it's a really sad reality, but Sal and I are really trying to advocate for people to show up years later you know we want grief to be something that people can easily talk about we want it to be a topic that isn't so doom and gloom and I think we bring a bit of humor to our podcast as well and a bit of humor and lightness to the topic like we've even been told our book is uplifting Mm -hmm. I don't know how we manage that but you know just making the (laughs) conversation like a bit more normalized you know it's okay to talk about these things and express how we're feeling and I just think grief is something that really shouldn't be pushed down and suppressed and shunned by society so we're hopefully helping change the way that we talk about it absolutely I think you are I think you I truly think you are last question that I have for you is how talking of that because I I agree with you we don't want to let like the uh, memory of them fade in that way because I feel like you know like after the funeral is gone like everybody else in your life has kind of moved on and you're still you're still there where you this person left you in a way and I think a lot of people get awkward when like that person's birthday comes around or the anniversary of the death comes around or like the car accident or like whatever it was Um, People get awkward around it, but like we shouldn't, it should be a great time to celebrate how, how did you guys um, like not make it such like a a negative anniversary whenever um, those moments came around? It's hard. I think at first, like in the first year, it felt sort of impossible to celebrate and it felt impossible to kind of. Mm-hmm. I don't know, honour our mums, but I think you, you do get to a point in your grief where you do want to honour them and celebrate them. And I just had my mum's, hey Sal, she's back. <laughs> hey, sorry, my internet has been like, I've just been doing speed tests with my husband. It was like two megabits per like second. It was like basically in the, in the oh, stone yeah, yeah. age. So sorry, hopefully I'm out. back now. Well, you're missing a great chat here. Um, I was just telling the girls about how ways to kind of honour and celebrate our our loved ones who have gone. And um, so for an example, I just had my mum's birthday on a couple of days ago here in Australia. And my mum loved op shopping. Sal loves op shopping and her mum loved op shopping too. But my mum used to buy like heaps of secondhand really crappy toys for my daughter. And so I was like, all right, we're going to Vinny's on my mom's birthday. You can pick two really crappy secondhand toys from grandma. Like this is the way that I'm going to honor her and celebrate her on her birthday. And so my daughter picked out literally Aww. the worst toys, like this dinosaur toy that like doesn't even work. It's got like meant to work with batteries, but it doesn't work. It's completely broken <laughs> and some beaten up old plastic bus. I'm like, okay, grandma would have absolutely bought these for you. So we're just going to go with it. So just little <laughs> things that they loved. You can do make their favorite favorite meal you can cook little things that remind you of them that are going to keep you feeling connected and close because you know one of the biggest fears that we have as grievers is to forget the people who are gone you know we don't want to forget our mums they were such a huge integral part of our lives like why would we want to forget them so yeah little things that can keep you connected to them is a really beautiful way to start whatever your loved ones were into but yeah that's one of the things that I like to do with my daughter and sell op shops on behalf of my mum as well for me it's really sweet she's the greatest gift giver I was such a supportive Aww. friend I love that yeah. yeah I was just gonna say it's um it's so nice to be able to do something for him that channels her mind because my mum loved it too and I feel like I'm I'm channeling her by doing that and keeping that connection and keeping her alive in my everyday actions which is really really special and then it's really nice that I'm able to do that for him as well and carry on a tradition that um, her mum used to do for her and I think when we think about honouring our loved ones and we think about you know ways to commemorate them often people feel like they need to do something big or something grand but it can really be the small everyday gestures you know it might be just like watching their favorite tv show or listening to an album you know they really loved or just making their favorite meal or even just eating something that you know they really enjoyed and 
it's little things like that that keep us close to them and have those everyday connections. I think it's really important. Yeah, I love that. Um, oh, yeah. Well, we have loved chatting with you. And before um, before we let you go, there's uh, one thing that we always like to end our episodes with. And I think it actually fits really well with your book because Em said it was like a survival guide. And we always end our episodes with a survival tip. And so we would love to know um, <laughs> what is your key survival tip for those um, still in the process of grieving, but want to start on that pathway towards joy? What a good question. The first step would be honor yourself and your needs and also go micro. Like sometimes when you're in the depths of grief, Sal's dropped off again. <laughs> this is hilarious. Um, go micro. So literally strip back all of your expectations that we can put on ourselves. Just let yourself really be in the moment. Take things minute by minute because sometimes when you're looking in the future, it can be feel impossible. Like I know when my mum died, I was like, I can't even imagine a future without her. Like I can't, like I can't look forward to anything. I can't imagine ever feeling joy again. Mm -hmm. Like the thought of feeling joy can feel really foreign when you're deep in grief. So the first step would be literally just strip everything back, take things minute by minute, day by day. Don't put any expectations or pressure on yourself that you need to be a certain way or grieving a certain way because there is no right or wrong way to grieve. And so that would be the first step. And then the thing about joy is we're not meant to be feeling happy all the time. Like happiness is not a state of being. It's emotion that comes and goes, right? So, and mm -hmm. the thing, the other thing I want to say is as well is some people will feel moments of fleeting joy and that may also come with guilt. It's like, why am I feeling happy? I shouldn't be feeling happy. My loved one isn't here. You know, we can really be hard on ourselves as grievers. But what I would say is like, welcome in all the emotions, the good, the bad, the ugly, you know, all of them, they've all got an important role to play in your grief and do not judge yourself when you're feeling any of them either. Like if you're feeling anger or guilt, like envy of someone else because they have their friend or mum or whoever it is that you've lost, like welcome all the emotions in, they all have a, have a part to play. And the thing I wanted to mention quickly on joy is joy you need to have an action plan to get there. It's not something that's just going to happen. You know, it's something that you kind of put into place and be like, right, one day I know I will feel okay again. I know I will feel moments of happiness again. And you kind of put a little bit of a plan in place to get there. You know, it may sound a bit weird, but it's so true. You know, like my daughter's first birthday, I was like, I'm never going to be happy again. Like I'm never going to feel joy again. But now I'm at my daughter's fourth birthday coming up and I'm in such a different place with my grief. So it's kind of just shifting that perspective in your mind and being like, I actually can get there and I will get there and it's going to take some time and it's going to take a lot of work because the thing with grief is it is work as well. But just know that you can get there. And just, yeah, just flipping that mindset into I'm never going to feel okay again or I'm never going to be okay again to I will right now. It's really difficult and really hard, but it's important for me to be where I am today and process all of the things that are coming up. So that's my really long-winded tip. But, yeah, I just want to give people the hope that no, they can. No, perfect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was really great. And. I know this has mainly been an episode for me and Hannah's like, just, she's just here for the ride for this one. <laughs> but, uh, listen, listen, I'm, I'm taking notes. Great. I'm taking notes for the future. <laughs> You're preparing in advance. We love it. She's definitely that kind of person. So. Um, but I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed talking to both of you. Um, and I think, this episode will be really helpful to a lot of our listeners, a lot of the gals out there. They will. I hope that this starts a conversation between their friends and their loved ones. But before we let you go, I know Sal's already gone. So, <laughs> but before we let you go, I would love to give you a moment to shout yourself out and let everyone know where they can find you, where they can get your book, and where they can listen to your podcast. Thank you. Well, our book is called Good Morning, Honest Conversations About Grief and Loss. I don't know if anyone will be watching this, but I'm holding up the book cover just in case. And it's on all major... Someone will selling... be. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> 
I don't know if you guys just do video or audio, <laughs> so I know you'll definitely have listeners. Um, yeah, so it's available on all major platforms. So like Amazon, if you're in Australia, we um, what's called Booktopia are doing like signed copies now. So you can grab a signed copy on there. And we are heavily over on Instagram. So you can come and find us there at Good Morning Podcast and Good Morning Morning with You. And our website is www.goodmorning.com.au where it's the kind of central hub where you can find all of the information there. But that's kind of us in a nutshell. Perfect. And we will leave a link to all of that in our show notes for um, the gals to be able to find and get easy access to. But thank you so much for uh, taking the time out of your morning to come on our show and um, talk about this. It's been a pleasure. Thanks, thanks for yes, having. Thank so I would much. say us, but mainly me. <laughs> Sal's gone. Um, but yeah, <laughs> thanks for thanks for having us on and talking about such an, an important topic, one that's really close to our heart. And I hope that you're okay, Em, and just sending you lots of love and lots of strength, and just know thank you're you. not alone in this. And yeah, come over to Good Morning anytime you need a bit of a a bit of a boost. So yeah, sending you lots of love and thanks for having us on. And so that does it for today's episode of The Gals Guide. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at The Gals Guide Pod. Also like us on Facebook at The Gals Guide and become a Gal Scout in our Facebook community. You can also hit us up on our website, thegalsguidepod.com, and our personal social media, which we will have linked in our show notes. Also, if you are listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review. And then if you're listening to us on Spotify, go ahead and subscribe to our podcast. So thanks for listening, gals, and we hope you come back for our next journey. Bet MGM has an unreal deal for sports fans in Maryland. Turn $5 into $150 instantly when you place your first wager at Bet MGM. Simply download the Bet MGM app and sign up using code OLDLINE150. Then, place a $5 wager on any sport. You'll receive $150 in bonus bets, regardless of your wager's outcome. And if you think the fun stops there, the king of sportsbooks has plenty of surprises in store. Check out daily promotions, same game parlays, live bets, and so much more. Download the app in Maryland today and get $150 in bonus bets instantly from your first wager only at BetMGM. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Maryland only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days from issuance. Please play responsibly. For help, visit mdgamblinghelp.org or call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM National Harbor. Promotional not available in Washington, D.C.